We're getting it. Yeah. Here's here's our recording. Check 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 anonymous duck. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Welcome again to the Respond Worship Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. You are here with Jeremiah and Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I said that right. Yeah. Yeah, we introduced ourselves on the last episode, but my, my name's Ryan. I'm a worship minister in Mount Vernon, Missouri, and this is Jeremiah. I'm Jeremiah, and I am a worship pastor at Blendville Christian Church in Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's who we are. That's who we are. Yeah, and last episode we uh, talked about, you know, ready or not, you're a pastor, right? Yeah, the intro from Zach Hicks' book, The Worship Pastor, which, by the way, if you haven't been reading it, it's okay. There's not spoilers or anything. Like, this is just a kind of a platform for us to have cool discussions about worship ministry on. Exactly. Um, And also in that, let me say the other disclaimer, this isn't only for pastors, whether that's the title or whatever paycheck you might get or whatever. This is for anybody who serves in worship ministry, anybody, um, who, who has their heart invested in what the church does on a Sunday morning. Right. Well, very nice. Well, at kind of at the end of that episode, you talked about, uh, you know, giving, well, you gave everybody a challenge, essentially yeah. what happened. And you said, go out and care for your people, care for yeah. your flock. <laughs> yeah. As I said, if we're all called to be a worship pastor in some way. Um, last time we talked about pastor being a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a title. It's not a position. Mostly it's mostly the role of caring for a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're all called to be a worship pastor to some degree, how are you growing in care um, for your own group, your own congregation? Yeah. Did you see any fruit from that this week or... I did a little bit. I won't say that like I hated my congregation and now I love them. <laughs> right. It wasn't that, but it was, it was, uh, I did not take my own advice and I just went home and hated everybody. <laughs> I just frowned the whole time. <laughs> no. Um, I, I walked in and I just had more people in mind mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning as we rehearsed, as we led, as we went from, from part of the service to other part of the service. I just had a few people in mind that I hadn't had in mind before. Um, as I chose my words between songs, as I led songs and thought about doing ad libs and then didn't, um, (laughs) as I did those things, I was like thinking about those specific people, um, and just caring about them. Nice. Well, we've had a lot of sick people in our congregation recently. And so, um, yeah, most of, most of my care has just been calling and checking on people, um, I had a, an elderly woman in our church that had some issues with uh, some technology. And so I was yeah. able to help her with that on uh, last Sunday afternoon. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So really, yeah, just being present and being aware that there are needs for people and making sure that they're okay. And yeah, that's kind of been my week. So yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm officially hired so that I will make sure Sunday morning worship services happen. Um, but other parts of my job that I love are um, doing our own churches podcast and also just being a pastor in general. Mm. So the way that happened this past week is uh, just on Wednesday, an hour or two before rehearsal, a couple hours before rehearsal, um, I just drove somebody to their doctor's appointment, somebody in their 60s. That was my entire like two hour period in my pastoral life at that moment it was like, I'm just going to care for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Well, nice. Well, hopefully we can hear about uh, how you cared for your um, your teams and the people that you interact with on a regular basis. Uh, so if you if you have some awesome stories of that and how uh, that turned into a ministry win or just you just want to share, uh, we'd love to hear it. So um, I think last time we talked about just um, podcast at respondworship.org. <laughs> our, that sounds right. Yeah, podcast at respondworship.org. Yeah. Is our email. And so send just, us your stories there. And we, you can say if you don't want us to talk about them on the air, mm-hmm. but if they're exciting and you don't say that, we'll probably talk about them on the air. Right. Because <laughs> every, everybody needs that encouragement from little ministry wins yeah. and, and seeing God work in your church. Right. And we can always phrase it anonymously too. Yeah. Like, Hey, somebody sent us something in and we thought this was really cool to share. And so yeah, uh, maybe that could be encouraging. Use all someone. neutral pronouns. And right. Like, 
blur blur your face <laughs> some anonymous person yeah like the anonymous duck yeah on our board document currently yeah uh, that's ryan anyways <laughs> all right so something we want to do each episode is showcase a ministry resource and last week we talked about planning center more specifically transposer yeah how transposer can let you um without a planning center account transpose a song from one key into another mm -hmm. so you can just have the mp3 file or whatever your song file is um, in the original key you'll have to find the original key and then you can transpose it to what you guys are doing on a sunday morning right. and let your vocalist practice with that but planning center also has that in planning center services right. you can do that same thing yeah such a good resource uh, definitely utilize that yeah. This week, we want to go a little bit of a different angle and talk about the live streaming platform of things. So yeah. this past year, COVID, obviously, everyone had to find some way to interact with their congregations. Um, online yeah. ended up being the way that we did that. So. Yeah. And it didn't, what I saw is it didn't matter if you were young and tech savvy and trying to be edgy. I saw some very liturgical Anglican churches mm -hmm. and other people yep. who who you're like, they haven't had any technology update since the 1400s. <laughs> right. Like I saw some of them just put their iPhone in the back and, mm -hmm. and hit record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, we've all had this kind of experience, um, but maybe you're having uh, maybe some trouble just interacting with people in that way. Um, and so I wanted to showcase Life Church's church platform, uh, churchonlineplatform.com. If you, if you go there, you can sign up and it'll um, set you up with basically just a little website and you can, you can set up your URL. So like our churches is blendville.online.church. So you can put your church's first name um, as the URL to go to. People can find it really quickly. Is your church's middle name online? No, it's not. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, you can go, you can uh set up your URL how you want it. People will be directed to there. And um, basically what it does is it takes wherever um, you want to stream from. So like if you could take your YouTube um, RTMP, um, which if you don't know what that is, that's okay. You can look up on Google or you could ask us, we can help you um, yeah. set this up. But <laughs> um, you, you find your, you're basically the way that you direct your feed from one end. Is it is. like your embedding feed? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But there's like a specific thing that you have to get from YouTube and it's called yeah. RTMP. Yeah. So when you get that, you can embed it into this church online platform and it just basically gives you a chat service that you can use with your congregation. So they don't have to like set up a YouTube account to be able to watch, you know, YouTube or get reminded of YouTube, um, you know, showcasing your stream or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but now they can just go here and type in their first name as the person in the chat and then just chat away. And um, it's just a good way to, to interact with your congregation as the service is actually um, feeding live. Yeah. And you can also, there's a, a button that's for live prayer. And so if somebody has a prayer request that they don't want to share openly, they can click that live prayer button and it gets you connected with somebody that's a host that morning in the church online platform. Yeah, And um, it's really nice just being able to have that one-on-one yeah. -on -one interaction in that online environment. It's so cool. I saw the, the Blenville church online page today and they even had a spot for, um, giving for mm -hmm. a connection card and then to go to their actual website. Right. But their church online site was a website as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So at the very top of the page, whenever you set one up, you can set it up. I think it's for like five different things, right? Is that what we have up there? Yeah. Five, five different, um, links. And you can set it up to whatever you want it to be. Um, and so we, yeah, like Ryan's saying, we have like our Facebook, our YouTube, our giving. We have our website that you can actually go to. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really good resource. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Just being able to have more interaction um, on no budget at all. Like it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's free. So It's free. That's the best yeah, part. That's the best part. So far, we've only given you free resources. Right. And that's... One of my goals. Right. It's just to find Never give you a all the resources that are free that are. <laughs> yeah. As we continue in our um, 
dive into the worship pastor by Zach Hicks. Um, we, we did the intro last week, which is ready or not. You're a pastor. You're a pastor. Yep. yep. And then this week's chapter one, the worship pastor as church lover. And I really, really, really loved, um, this chapter. He, he starts with this story about his home church, apparently in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. That sounds awesome. That's pretty awesome. I would have loved to grow up in Hawaii (laughs) instead of humid St. Louis, but Um, yeah, he talks about his home church and how there was a lot great about it. And they kind of showed up as a family when he was a kid at this church. Um, and then his parents stuck through a lot of really hard stuff Mm -hmm. between, um, pastoral turnover, um, different people being hired and leaving and, and all that, um, and different snafus of, different sizes in their church history and budget things and, and all these different crises, how his um, parents, he says his parents stubborn commitment to one church would become one of the greatest gifts they could have ever given him. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really powerful and that, that sets up the chapter super well. Right. Yeah. And he gives six different things of how to be a church lover. And so yeah. we kind of want to walk through each of these ideas and uh, maybe talk about our experiences and yeah. And what we enjoyed about each one of these sections. So the first section is a church lover passionately loves and believes in the church. This is this is what was almost most inspiring to me, is that um, they. I think in this in this chapter he even says like a like an unearned optimism mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, um, where he he's pretty much just saying like uh, I have another line underlined. I love her warts and all mm-hmm. that, that people are committed to their church, not like a commodity like McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever. Right. They're committed to their church, um, like a covenant, mm-hmm. like marriage, which that may be a good example for some of you in your family background. That may be a bad example for you. Um, but even if it is a bad example for you, either personally or your family or whatever, you know, the pain of somebody not sticking around, yeah. not being committed to that covenant relationship. And he's kind of saying the the beautiful, unique thing about his parents and their church was they were committed um, to being a part of their church and seeing it thrive no matter what, mm-hmm. rather than there's a better church down the street that isn't having these same issues at this exact moment and, and ignoring that they probably will have those same issues in five years right. or in five weeks. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought McDonald's into the conversation at the beginning of your statement there, uh, as that kind of consumerist mentality. Uh, yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of how we approach love in a lot of ways. It's like, um, Oh, I, I just love, you know, the food from this place, or I just love, um, you know, that our, our ideas of love are more focused on, um, self-fulfillment, this, self-fulfillment, this consumeristic mentality. Um, and that's not, that's not what love towards the church is to be. Yeah. Yeah. Paul even compares, I mean, a lot of us who have been in the church for a long time know this. Paul compares the church to a marriage. Mm -hmm. He said, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And in that comparison, Christ was not consumeristic. If he was, we were a bad choice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) you'd, You'd look into the biblical idea of sin at all. And our worthiness before God on our own at all. And he loved us and chose us in spite of those things. Mm -hmm. As a consumer, uh, yeah, Jesus was not a very good consumer. Yeah, even within the marriage relationship. But we treat that as a consumerist mentality a lot of the time. Um, We're trying to get something out of that. And it's not, that's not what marriage is. And uh, that's what we need to be treating the church as as well. There's a give and take relationship there. Yeah, yeah. I... Honestly, that's, I, I totally agree with you. That's one of the hardest parts about marriage today is that, um, people walk into it thinking this will fulfill me. Mm-hmm. Marriage will make me happy. Um, and that's a really, what, what I said at, um, one of my best friend's weddings, um, I wasn't the best man, but he let like a bunch of people make speeches. So I was like, I can make a speech. <laughs> and, uh, one of the things I said is that, um, marriage is a mirror at your own selfishness. Mm. I said, like, don't let that scare you out of it. But like, you will, you will kind of wake up a couple months into marriage and be like, man, I suck. (laughs) (laughs) I I need to like be a little more selfless. I need to like, whatever. And, um, 
and Zach Hicks' parents in this in this intro to this book are displaying that mm-hmm. for him, yeah, um, and hopefully displaying that for a lot of us that that um, church isn't something to be consumed; it's something to be cultivated and loved and cared for. Um, and let me also put this disclaimer in here: I'm not saying both for marriage and for membership at a ch- membership, uh, whatever you want to say about attending a church long-term. I'm not saying once you're at a church, you can never leave for any reason, because I think there are totally good reasons for certain people in certain marriage relationships to get out of there mm-hmm. like abuse and different things. Um, but there's a difference between abuse and things aren't going my way. I don't love it at this very moment love being in that, in that phrase, I'm not feeling good about it in this very moment. Mm -hmm. Those aren't good reasons to get up and leave deep corruption and abuse and whatever. Yeah. Those might be some good reasons to leave, but, but other than that, just not liking it anymore. That's not, that's not a good reason. Right. Right. It does take a commitment to love the church. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads into point two, um, that he makes about being this kind of a person, a church lover mm-hmm. is, uh, this is the opposite of the consumerist mentality. He says a church lover zealously commits to the church's vision and mission. Um, and I think that's really important. It, a lot of these can kind of get into this point that I'm about to make. Um, but the church is not a building and the church is not hired professional pastors. Mm-hmm. The church is a group of people. Right. Um, and so every, everything that the church is called to is meant to be a calling on all of those people. I think we should also preface that when it says the church's vision and mission, that doesn't necessarily mean your church's specific vision and mission statement that you put out there. And I was like, we're talking about the church, capital C church as a whole, like what we as a people, what is our vision and our mission? Um, We have to commit to that. Like the foundations of our faith. We talked about creedal um, things last time in 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 our last episode, like, we have to commit fully to like who the church is, what she is to be. And uh, yeah, I think that just needs to be yeah. just said up front. So I think, I think that's a good, um, the way he talked about it in here is like your local church's vision and mission. But I think what you said is really important because if your local church's vision and mission excludes something that you think is biblically supported and called for, mm-hmm. you're totally within your rights to go pursue that on your own while attending and loving your own church saying that I think I can support the church overall and even my local church by upholding mm-hmm. this thing that, that is aside from my local church's vision and mission. Um, but the, the first thing he does in this chapter, in this section, this all in one chapter in this section is he talks about his, uh, a, a church he had worked at their vision and mission. And he said that was, to declare and demonstrate the liberating power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So for that specific vision and mission, he made like a one for his ministry for the worship ministry, um, saying that uh, the worship service in the church is ground zero for declaring and demonstrating the liberating power of the gospel and, and kind of aimed their worship ministry through that vision and mission. It was biblical. I think it's very biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of directed it that way. But what I, I appreciated is right after that, he said most church vision or mission statements connect in some way, shape or form to the great commission's call to make disciples in Matthew 28. Um, I know that's definitely true for most churches I've been a part of that their vision or their mission statement is we're here to make disciples. Right. Is that true for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's basically what I've heard in most churches that I've been a part of. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, it's biblical. It makes sense. Like we, yeah. we do need to go out and make disciples. Um, and that's, that's just what we're called to do. Yeah. Um, it's an I think obvious sometimes call. We get, and the reason I prefaced it before is like, sometimes we get so focused on just like one specific part of our mission that we forget about all these other aspects that we're called to, to adhere to and to uphold um, as the church proper you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and we'll get into it here in a little bit, but, um, like loving the sick and, and the poor and, you know, trying to find these other ways. Like sometimes when we're so focused on getting people baptized and getting them into the church, like that's kind of our model of making disciples, right? Like we don't, yeah. we're really bad at discipleship. Um, like what do we do after 
after they're baptized. Well, a lot of times we just kind of keep them in the building and we don't, and we, we don't just do hope much. that they incubate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's an intentional process that happens after that. And, um, that should be part of our mission as well. It's not just getting them, getting them here and getting them baptized. And, yeah. Um, that's something I love about, um, the, the church that I've been working at for about five or six months now is Kingsway in uh, Mount Vernon, Missouri. Something I've loved is that our vision statement or mission state, I don't know, our, our one of those statements is um, to see people, to help people pursue full life in Jesus. That mm. comes from John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and life to the full. And that's the way almost that we've interpreted make disciples of all nations right. is help people pursue full life in Jesus. Um, that, that the shallow husk of, of just numbers on spreadsheets of how many people have been baptized, how our attendance is, how our, how our offering is, which are all important things. It's good things to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that isn't our goal, even if it's something we're measuring or looking at that our goal instead is helping people pursue full life in Jesus. And so what does that look like in our worship ministry? Well, what that looks like is um, not just entertaining them, not just being Mm -hmm. a commodity, but doing things for their health and not their happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah. So I guess all this could really just be wrapped up in saying, you know, mission and vision is important and make sure you are intentional and you take your time with developing how, how your church is going to be doing things. Um, because that doesn't just affect the church as a whole. It affects each individual ministry as well. Like how, how are they going to be doing things through the lens of what our church is about and what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, that pretty much leads very well into point number three, man. It's like this guy put all these together. Oh man. Um, point number three is a church lover humbly submits to a church's God ordained leadership. So I think the vision and mission is, is the same thing, but in your action, right? A church lover submits to the direction of God's local church, the God ordained direction of that local church. Um, but this is the relational part. The church lover submits to the God ordained leadership Mm. of that local church. Um, and this was honestly one of the, um, hardest and or most uh, tender sections for me um, because this chapter talks a lot chapter this section talks a lot about um, the relationship between a pastor and a worship leader Mm -hmm. and how vulnerable and important that is the relationship between the worship pastor and the lead minister is definitely the most important relationship and I've I've experienced that myself uh, in the few churches I've been a part of Um, even interning in a church where you know just being able to see that interaction between the lead pastor and the worship pastor was really important Um, because you're you you two have the most stage time I guess so you know you're you both are on the the platform it's really obvious when you're not on the same page (laughs) right yeah yeah um and so being able to have the conversations with your lead pastor about, you know, what are we doing? How are we planning this? Um, how are we making this connect? Um, you know, all these things are important to be able to make the worship experience happen and and feel like it's together. Because, uh, yeah, like you said, it's definitely obvious when things aren't working right and proper together. Yeah, I read this line from the book and it just stabbed me right in the heart because it was so true. Um, he said... Uh, when my relationship with the lead pastor is solid, I can weather just about any storm. When my relationship with the lead pastor is shaky, absolutely everything else feels destabilized. Yes. Yeah. I found that to be super true um, in my own ministry experience, however short that is or has been. Um, that not only if things between me and a lead pastor are bad, but also if things between me and the lead pastor are silent or distant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, communication is key. It's important. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's, it ties into the challenge I had from the last episode. How are you loving your church, your congregation, the people in it? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not on the same page with your lead pastor, first of all, you won't feel supported in whatever you're doing. You won't feel confident that and safe from at least your peers 
or your leadership that, that what you're doing is going to be okay. But also you're not on the same page about how to love your congregation. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite parts about collaborating on creating worship services with a a senior pastor or a lead pastor is the question, how are we using this to love our congregation? How are we, we meeting them in their need right now? How are we being pastoral to them on a group level? Yeah. Yeah. That was something I really struggled with in my last ministry um, where I was the worship minister at a satellite campus for a larger campus. Um, The, the vision for the worship ministry there was, we create everything for one campus and then that gets replicated for the other two campuses. And so, you know, that doesn't always work for the other two places because it's a different culture. It's a different environment. People are dealing with different things. And sometimes you just have, you know, you have a song that you want to sing that can really resonate and relate to situations you know are going on in the church. Um, But you have to submit to your, your leadership and, and go with their plan. Um, and that was really hard for me in a, in a season. Um, but and it was especially hard with your relationship to the senior pastor. Right. Because it, well, so it was so distant. It was, You're like Yeah, the five, senior pastor wasn't even, yeah, it was super distant, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like five links down the chain right, from where he is. Campus pastor and then, yeah, the worship pastor at the main campus. And then it would go to lead pastor after that. So it was, yeah, yeah lots of lots of hoops to go through. Um, yeah. But even in that, you know, the lead pastor and the worship pastor at the main campus had a really tight relationship. They're actually brothers. So, oh, yeah. So like cool. anything that happened, um, was basically like that, that was set. Like that was, yeah. that's what we're going to do. Um, and so trying to, to put some different thoughts into that situation. Um, I felt like I was listened to, I felt like they were potentially considered, but, um, it's just hard to stir away from something that you've done for so long. And, um, and, and yeah, I just had to submit to that leadership and, and go, th- go through with it and do the best that I could, um, with other aspects of our worship time that could connect to specific situations or something that I knew. Um, and a lot of that just came in the, in the more pastoral role of actually going to people and yeah. helping them and seeing them. Yeah. So all in all, just, every every way you're able to do a good job cultivating the relationship mm-hmm. with your whatever lead pastor senior pastor whoever's in leadership over you um as a member of the worship team if you're a volunteer have a good relationship with your worship pastor or right. whoever's in charge there and something else like when you're getting hired at a church making sure that you have a lot of conversation with the lead minister and that whole process yeah. making sure that you have a good connection and letting them know your concerns and yeah, your heart and just, yeah, being vulnerable with that person right up front, um, because that'll give you a good barometer of how ministry is going to be with that person. Yeah. I didn't understand how important this relationship was um, when I stepped into my first ministry and my senior pastor in all those interviews, I, I got to meet him a little bit. We had a 47 year age gap hmm. um, and he had a, an important phone call at pretty much all of the interviews <laughs> and that's totally fine. Right. He was an, an incredible, incredible pastoral care person like hospital visits mm-hmm. 40 hours a week and then would find time to write a sermon and to do whatever. It was an amazing quality that I really respect in him. Um, but those interviews should have told me um, a little bit that maybe this wouldn't be the easiest fit between me and him. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that in my first three months there, that, that we had a big culture gap between where we're coming from, our generations, whatever, that we didn't put time into overcoming or, or cultivating a relationship around. Um, and that, that made my on-ramp to that ministry a little tricky. Yeah, and even when things get tricky, Ryan, uh, a church lover joyfully cultivates compassion for everyone in their flock, not yeah. just a select few. Yeah, yeah that that was uh, I had a lot of training in Bible college on how to play my instrument, on how to know and read the Bible, mm. on how to lead the administrative parts of a worship ministry. But it's hard to have a class on caring about people, right. <laughs> a class on. Uh, being pastorally inclusive, um, not leaving people out. Like yeah. that's just not a thing you can have a class on right. or you can even comprehend before you start doing it. Um, but something that I found almost the most joy in 
in ministry is um, cultivating relationships with people who aren't on my worship team, Mm -hmm. cultivating relationships with people who um, don't seem to have a lot of friends at the church they go to, or, or they just stay in their little group with their few people. Right. Um, Yeah. It's, it's something being able to, to bridge those gaps and be able to, um, again, thinking back to my challenge from last episode, kind of broaden who I think about when I think about our church Mm -hmm. um, and when I try caring about our congregation, just broadening who I think about, whose face I have in my head and, and who I know personally. Right. That has been a huge blessing um, pastorally. Yeah. And you never know how the people that you're being pastoral to, how that'll affect your, your ministry as well moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'll, you'll have a ministry one that you talk about later on, um, in this episode that, um, you know, just developing a relationship with somebody outside of, you know, the worship ministry and how that person was able to be used, um, within the worship ministry. It's just, yeah, you just never know how, how that's going to work. But he mostly talks in this section about, um, being able to include all types of people in Mm -hmm. the relationships you're forming, especially those on the outskirts of your of your church body. So he, he specifically mentions people, um, who are unattractive people who are mentally or physically disabled people who are poor or homeless and even children. Mm -hmm. I think all those are really important. Um, not just looking to one people who are able-bodied and can serve in your ministry. And that's like why you're friends with them or why you're pouring into them. Um, also not just people who are rich and can give to your ministry or whatever, (laughs) like, not people who are who are conventionally valuable or useful in that in that sort of way. I think Jesus did a good job of showing that those aren't the only kinds of people you should be um, going after. Right. But on top of that, I'd also say try to um, joyfully cultivate compassion for people who are antagonistic to you, mm-hmm. um, or or who are actively seeming to be against you. Uh, socially or whatever, um, this one Kill of the, with kindness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. One of the easiest relationships that you should know to start with first to cultivate a joyful compassion for them is a worship leader and a sound person. Mm-hmm. So many worship leaders don't invest in their sound people. And that's, I get it. They're across the room, right? <laughs> they like you have to yell at each other to even hear what each other is saying and whatever makes sense why that's hard, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right. And cultivating a good relationship with them can help rehearsals go so much easier, help them get on the same page with you and your, your philosophy for what you want the, the service to look like right. or sound like or whatever, that kind of stuff. Also people who are just like negative Nancy's <laughs> uh, the more you can do to win them onto your side because of compassion and care and whatever, the more that whatever negative power they're trying to influence over you, that will be turned into a positive power outward that if there are other less vocal negative people, they will use their more vocal (laughs) negativity and squash them. (laughs) That's a bad way to phrase it, but like they'll, they'll turn into a really strong advocate. Right. And that was super valuable. Right. Yeah, I mean, there have been times in ministry where, you know, you'll sing a song or you won't sing a song. You know, songs are absent and people are like, well, why aren't you singing this or why aren't you doing it this way? Um, or if there's a specific song that you chose not to sing that they know about and they get mad and they want to have a conversation with you about it. Um, and usually it goes the wrong way, right? It's usually yeah. just comes at, like, come at you like, why didn't you do this? Well, well, <laughs> um, if you just ask that person, like, Hey, do you want to sit down and have coffee and talk about like, why does this song mean so much to you? Um, those, those relationships can build even greater trust between you and, and your congregation because you're actually taking the time to listen to, to them and, and hear like why a certain song resonates with somebody, you know? Yeah. It's, it can be valuable. Sometimes it can change your mind, mm-hmm. make you want to lead that song. Right. Um, but either way, it, it shows that you have time for them, Yes, that they are a valuable person and you care about them, whether or not you're going to play their, their favorite song or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, which usually it's, 
sometimes it's like, I like this song cause it's on Caleb, <laughs> right. but sometimes it's yeah. like, I like this song cause it was at my dad's funeral. Exactly. And that's a lot harder that's to lot, argue with. A lot different. Yeah. 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 In that same vein, Ryan healed people, heal people. And so we need to be aware that, you know, some days we're going to, we're not going to feel um, the greatest and there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of things that have happened throughout the week. Cause there's so much that happens throughout the week that we're not aware of for the people that come in to our church on a Sunday morning. And sometimes uh, as a pastor, especially as a worship pastor, being that healing for people um, is what we are. Even, even not really knowing that, you know, we can speak into a situation um, unknowingly just because we feel a certain way that morning, you know, like we feel like we can, yeah. we're in a good place where we can be that healing to other people. Uh, but then, yeah, there is times where we come and even ourselves like up on that platform, we're not in a good spot. Um, but maybe there's somebody on our team or somebody in the congregation that speaks life into us uh, that can really help us that day too, because we're vulnerable from the stage and we're just saying, Hey, like, I actually just don't feel that well today. Um, I'm not not doing great. Um, we already talked about, you know, the vulnerable relationship between the pastor and the worship minister, but there's also a vulnerable relationship between us and our congregation as well. Yeah, I think that that entire relationship is important because, uh, and that vulnerability in that relationship, because the entrance into healing, this part of the wounded healer idea um, the entrance to that is vulnerability. Um, people cause wounds and lash out because they are hurt, but that vulnerability, instead of covering up the hurt by lashing out, um, it actually exposes the hurt so you can do something about it, um, through God's power, through, um, the love and experience of others, um, can start to deal with some of that. But he takes this idea, um, from Henry Nowen, who has a book called The Wounded Healer. Mm-hmm. We would highly suggest you go check that out. It's a great book. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but he he quotes that book um, in, in this section when he says, Our woundedness is healing because it takes away the false illusion that wholeness can be given by one to another. It is healing because it does not take away loneliness and pain of another, but it invites him to recognize his loneliness on a level where it can be shared. Um, and being able to share each other's pain, each other's loneliness, each other's struggles is where healing happens. Right. It doesn't happen from safety, from a distance. It happens with our own vulnerability, their own vulnerability and our compassion to stretch across that gap mm-hmm. and, uh, meet them where they're at. Yeah. Something that I've always appreciated of, uh, of Shane Wood, a professor yeah. at Ozark Christian college. He always used to say that, um, the only way that a wound can heal is if you expose it to the air. Yeah. Right. Like when we put a bandaid on, that's not really helping the wound a whole lot. It's, it's stopping the bleeding, but it's not healing the wound. Um, when you take it out and you expose it to the air, that's when the, the true healing happens. Yeah. Um, and so if he, we're being, I just, uh, my church did an interview with him pretty recently and he said like when his, when his, one of his kids falls off their bike and scrapes her knee, they want to hold on to that scrape right because it hurts and they don't want anything else to happen to it because it hurts so bad but he said he can't do anything until they take their hand off the wound right yeah so it's that that same idea exactly yeah but this this comes out even in um like i was saying in the last section in uh building relationships with everybody not just excluding it to certain kind of people that that you would think are valuable or useful um in, in building those relationships with antagonistic people, um, this is what you have to take into it, that you care about them so much, even though they aren't showing you care in the way they're acting or they aren't showing you care in the way they've acted in the past. Um, that, that the wounded healer, um, is, is like a doctor treating a patient who's, um, strung out on drugs or out of their mind in some other way or, or, or uh, had anesthesia and it's just kind of waking up and confused and they may do something against the doctor. Um, but that would never stop them from trying to treat that person. It's just an obstacle to overcome for that person's well being. Um, and so sharing and vulnerability is super important, but also just getting over the need to feel safe from a pastoral standpoint it's not going to always be safe or easy or comforting, although it will be those things sometimes, hopefully. Um, but it can be painful and God's call is to work through that 
um, to meet people where they're at. Yeah, that's a that's a good word, Ryan. And this leads us to to point number six. Uh, a church lover faithfully reminds the church of her churchness. That seems really non-specific. The way <laughs> the way he defines it further is a. Uh, um, that church means community. Mm -hmm. And so reminding the church that they are a community and not a group of individuals. Right. Um, and the way that breaks down in the worship services, it's not a meeting, a private meeting between you and God and just a hundred other people are experiencing that at the same time, but it's a meeting between God and all of you. Mm -hmm. Um, so just how that breaks down in the church is a way yeah, reminding the church that that's how church works mm -hmm. is a way to love the church. Yeah, it's uh, an homage, I guess, back to the tabernacle. Yeah, uh, where God is tensing with us. That's the that's the point in which that happens each week is when we're gathered together in worship and praising Him. Yeah, that that communal nature kind of takes a lot of these points in together. Um, that the worship pastor is a pastor, so they're leading and shepherding the people through all these first five points <clears throat> that we've already made. Um, but they're also leading the church to do all these for each other. Um, that members in the church should uh, love and believe in the church, not just the pastors, the official titled pastors. Members in the church should commit to the church's vision and value. They should submit to the church's God-ordained leadership. They should have compassion for everyone in their flock. Um, and they should be willing to step into deep, vulnerable places mm -hmm. for the sake of each other, mm -hmm. not just if they're hired, not just if they have a title or a position or whatever, but because they are the church. It's our job to help facilitate that among them. Right. Well, the last heading of this chapter, uh, the last section, if you will, is about calling and vocation. And, and Zach Hicks lays out a story um, about somebody that approached him uh, about something and he, he didn't really know how how to respond, right? Yeah, it was a guy way older than him. Mm -hmm. And his issue was something that a young guy like Zach Hicks at this moment um, couldn't really speak into from personal experience. Right, right. And so um, he just heard, Zach, he heard in the midst of this, uh, you know, not just feeling unequipped and not being able to help this guy, he heard God say, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, he's not seeking you in, in your help. He's seeking me through you. And so... Um, the whole vessel mentality, like just be a vessel for me. Yeah. I, it reminded me of a, of a comment I put on a worship leader group recently in the past month or so. Um, somebody had posted a Carrie Newhoff quote that said the same kind of thing. Mm. Um, people are looking for God, not us. Um, and, and so his quote was, it's a shame when people come to church looking for God and only find us. Mm -hmm. um, but the way the way I wanted to turn this around in, in my comment to this person who posted is, is just putting that in terms of a question instead of a disappointing, yeah. disappointed statement. Um, is God a part of our gathered worship services? Mm. And, and what does that look like for us? And this, this does lead into next week's chapter that we're going to cover, which is uh, worship leaders, corporate mystic right. chapter two. Um, but basically my, my response was, is God a part of our gathered worship service as well? If we're preaching and he is a part, it'll look like this. Mm -hmm. And if he isn't a part, it'll look like this. Right. Um, and I, I kind of laid out some different aspects of a worship service and how it looked. But the big difference is calling and vocation. Are you a representative of God or just a trustworthy person? Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference there. If you're just a cool, this is the the rock star mentality we were talking about last week, um, in in the intro. Um, if you're just a a trustworthy person, a skilled, worthwhile, valuable by your own merit kind of person, then your value ends with you. Mm. But if you're a representative of God in that moment, your value and the value of what you're saying ends at God's level. Yeah. Um. That. Yeah. Yeah, I have a friend in New York who constantly reminds me about um, vocation and kind of how we, as a culture, um, we don't really understand vocation well. We think that vocation is just something that um, is what we're doing. You know, that's like what we do for a job. Yeah. Because um, he'll approach people. He works with artists mainly in, in New York, but he'll approach people and be like, hey, uh, what do you love? That's his question. What do you love? 
Yeah. Uh, it's not asking, what do you do for a living? What do you love? And that's really where your vocation comes out of. It's, it's where, where do you invest your time? What do, what do you love the most? It's not, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a bigger question than what do you do for a job? I mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Cause I always heard there's a difference between a job and a career right. or a job and a vocation. And so I always put this in the box of like, what's your career? Mm-hmm. But vocation here is like, like what is God calling you to in the community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you're an investment banker or something and that's your career. And maybe you could help somebody in your church through investment banking, but also are you kind and outgoing? Maybe you can serve in that way. Maybe Mm -hmm. that can be your vocation in the body, in the church you're serving at. Maybe you can go up to people who don't seem to know anybody and kind of bring them into your community, into the church. Maybe you're really handy and, and uh, maybe your career is a plumber or your career is a carpenter or something. Right. And that's, but but that's you not where serve. you find your worth or your value. Yeah. And that's the, that's the big thing is like, uh, you're, you don't need to be, uh, your worth and your value are not attributed to what you do in life. Yeah. Um, your worth and your value come from God. Yeah. And God is who shows you what to love and who to love. Mm-hmm. What love is, he is the definition of love. Yeah. Um, so in order to be a good church lover, we have to listen very well to God and how he's moving and how he's working in our lives, but also in the lives of others so that we can love people well, but also so that we can love others as ourselves. right? Like we have to love yeah. ourselves first before we can love others. Yeah. Um, we want to finish this episode by talking about a ministry win. I have one from my own context, um, but this is something we want to be doing all the time. So if mm-hmm. you have one, like we said earlier, uh, write us at, podcast at respondworship.org. That is the correct email. Okay, okay. great. Uh, send it in there. And if you want it to be public, we'll read it. And if you don't, that's okay too. Um, we'll, we'll blur your voice out or something. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. But uh, <laughs> I, I had a win recently where um, I really love scripture readings in church because, because we're people of the book. We're people of God's word. Right. Um, and, and so finding ways to make scripture reading in a service feel valuable and feel intentional is always really important to me. Um, but there's a guy in our church. Um, he's probably mid sixties. I'd say, um, he's been living with his mom the past year or so, especially since about the time the pandemic began. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he began living with her because he had some medical issues and just realized he shouldn't be living on his own at this point in his life. Um, And so he moved home and he started going to our church and he's a guy who served in children's ministry for a long time, um, kind of has a theater background. Um, but otherwise if, if like your church has the goal of being cool and young and edgy, he's a guy you would look over Hmm. pretty quick. Um, but I, I had heard about this guy and I talked to this guy a handful of times just after church and before church and just hearing his heart. Um, and then we asked him to read a scripture on stage a couple of weeks in a row um, we're in a finishing a series on the gospel of John. So, um, we just went through his arrest, his crucifixion, his burial. Um, and then we went through his resurrection. So another good Friday, Friday, another Easter for this year. And we had this guy read those scriptures, 12, 16 verses at a time. He got up and memorized it. Wow. Didn't know that he'd memorized it until he walked on stage the first time (laughs) and didn't look at the Bible once that was in front of him, um, memorized it and presented it to the congregation. Um, and it was so well done. It Mm. was so, it was, uh, not dramatic, like voices, Mm -hmm. like doing character voices, but it was dramatic and like, like intentional and impactful and like. He knew when to slow down and when to. He put the right emphasis on the right syllable. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and, uh, he just did an incredible job. And then, and then I got to talk to him about it after. Um, and he was like this, this way of serving our church was such a blessing to him during the week, mm. memorizing it. Mm-hmm. He said, he just kept getting so amped during the week and was just like excited to do this and just like super pumped just from memorizing God's word to share it with other people. He, he later told me he was memorizing the entire book of Romans so wow. he could just present it 
at some point. That's I really don't know. Cool. He said, yeah, it takes about an hour to recite the whole thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's, he's a guy who's serving in such a powerful, impactful way, fulfilling his calling from God, um, to preach God's word very literally, um, just that. And he's doing such a great job, but it's all because, um, I was able to get connected with him and foster that relationship outside of serving because mm. we have the boxes that you can serve in like anybody else. Do you want to be a bassist? Do you want to run slides? <laughs> we didn't have a, do you want to read scripture? Like it matters yeah. box. Um, but he did it so incredibly well. And I know a lot of people in our church were, were moved not only by him reading it, but by being able to listen to the, the scripture, the story, um, without anything around it, mm-hmm. without it being a verse at a time to prove certain points or whatever. It was just it by itself, like it had power on its own. And yeah. it was so cool the way that he did really it. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story, Ryan. I think, uh, that's a probably a good, um, that's probably a good challenge for the week, uh, for our listeners is to, to just go out and to get to know people in your congregation and hear their story um, start loving on them. Right. Yeah. Uh, hear their story, hear what they're about. And, you know, maybe, maybe something is going to be unveiled from that conversation where they could potentially be, uh, a member that can serve in some way in your ministry. Yeah. Uh, you just never know. <laughs> it, it would have been great if he didn't serve either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, true. It still yeah, would have loved exactly. him. But yeah. the, the big thing for me is, is find those relationships and try to invest in those, especially way out of your age range. Mm-hmm. Try to cross the like, age barrier. Cause he's probably 40, maybe 50 years apart from me. Yeah. So if you're a, a young guy, a young minister or whatever, go out and find somebody pretty old in your congregation and just be a friend and, and, yeah. and love them. And, and, uh, if you're older, if you've got kids of your own who are older and whatever, go find somebody your kid's age and just show them value and pour into them. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we really have for today. Um, join us in a couple of weeks when we'll be discussing chapter two of Zach Hicks' mm-hmm. book, The Worship Pastor uh, Church, or The Worship Pastor as Corporate Mystic? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, this is Jeremiah and Ryan, and thanks for sharing your time with us. We'll see, see you next time. Well, we won't see you. Remember, we'll listen. Well, you'll listen to you'll us listen next to time. Us next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Respond Worship Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to our website and social media. Follow and subscribe to keep up with new episodes, and feel free to rate and review us. We want this to be the best possible resource for you and your team, so your feedback is extremely important. We also want to hear from you. Send us your questions, content suggestions, ministry wins, and stories, and we will gladly consider them for future episodes. Just email us at podcast at respondworship.org. That's podcast at respondworship.org. We look forward to welcoming you into another conversation in a couple of weeks. Take care.